Hello friends and a warm welcome to the Slow Living Collective. This is a podcast about slowing down, living seasonally and embracing an intentional life. So introductions, I'm Amy, I'm a 30-something mum of two, homemaker, home educator and allotment gardener and these podcasts are love notes from me, sharing the things that I sometimes need to hear myself as well. In these episodes, I'm going to delve into what it means to walk a different path, to stepping outside societal norms and embracing all the beauty that it provides. From educating our children outside of the school system, living in a small home by choice, surrounding ourselves with a life of intention instead of living a life by default. I welcome you to come on this journey with me and open your mind to maybe a different way of living. I hope you find what you're looking for within the words of these podcasts and I hope they speak to you in your own unique way. Hey everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today I want to delve into JOMO. Have you heard of JOMO? You might be thinking, Amy, do you mean FOMO? No, I mean JOMO. So we all know FOMO. There's so much FOMO and JOMO in the beginning of this episode. Wow. So you've heard of FOMO, the fear of missing out. This idea that we get this sort of like anxiety over missing out on something. And brands, society, the media, they promote this idea of FOMO, that we are going to miss out on something and we must do it, pay for it, experience it, otherwise we're going to miss it. And, you know, we might not get the opportunity again. But JOMO, JOMO is something a little bit different. People are beginning to realise that you don't need to do all of the things. You don't have to say yes to everything. And there can be immense joy in missing out. So, yes, JOMO stands for the joy of missing out. And it's just this living in a quiet, independent way. You don't have to feel anxious that you're missing out on anything exciting or interesting. Does this sound like slow or simple living? Or does this sound like slow and simple living? I am introverted. And the joy of missing out? Yes. FOMO has always had me like... I don't know that I've ever had FOMO. I guess I have. I'm only human. But honestly, I have much more joy in the missing out. I need to be at home. I need to recharge in my own space by myself. And being with people is a lot. I'm not going to lie. I think us introverts can come together. Well, separately, obviously. (laughs) Uh, But we can come together and uh, sort of acknowledge that Being introverted is just, socialising is a lot and we can obviously do it but it's not where we recharge. Socialising depletes us slowly and slowly and slowly but eventually we're like okay I'm tapped out, I'm done, let me go home and take some time and recharge myself and yeah that to me is a lot of what slow living embraces um, and embracing that joy of missing out and seeing a situation and actually holding a boundary and honouring how I feel about it and saying actually no that isn't for me feel free to go ahead without me (laughs) don't forget to invite me because I you know 
I like to be invited, but I might not come. And I think whether you're introverted or extroverted, actually, it's a really important point that the introverts in your life, we want to be invited. We don't want to be left out because it might be something that we, we feel that we can actually do and that we have space for. But also don't be offended if we say, oh, no, that's not for me. I'm just too tapped out socially at the moment and I need a break. Because I, I think if we better understood each other, then, you know, th there wouldn't be this miscommunication. Because as an introvert, like, I find myself saying yes to a lot of things that it comes around and I'm like, oh, God, I wish I hadn't organised that because I don't feel like it. And often I'll go and have a great time, right? But sometimes it's just a lot and it's just tiring. And I think if we were more honest with each other and not be like, oh, I need to have a valid reason why I'm not going, like, I've got a migraine, I'm not feeling very well. Why can't we just be honest and say, my mental health is not feeling that, my personality is not feeling that, I'm an introvert, hi, um, and I just, I can't people today. And, you know, I, I don't know how the extroverts feel about that because they're probably like, what are you even talking about? Because they get so buoyed up and recharged by being around people and they have the opposite. Like, you know, being at home is what depletes their energy or not necessarily being at home, but, you know, not having that social interaction can deplete their, their energy. So we need to sort of find a balance, I think, between the, the, the two sides. And I don't just think there's two sides either. I think you can be an introverted extrovert and an extroverted introvert. I'm not psychology minded. I don't uh, know the ins and outs, but I just do know that as an introvert, I need I need that space. And too often in our society, we're taught to want, we want to embrace the next big thing, to always want bigger and better, whether it comes to what we own, what we do, the home we live in, it's always deemed that we should be reaching for more, stretching ourselves bigger, better, more expensive. And we're always expected to want to upsize our homes, which I don't personally get. And that usually comes because we're growing out of our current space, quote unquote there. But it's really mentioned that instead of like reaching for more, always increasing our mortgage debt, stretching ourselves financially to just fit our stuff into this bigger space, we could actually instead actively work on fitting inside the space we have. Novel idea, I know. <laughs> because a lot of it is a stuff problem and, and not a space problem. We have too much stuff and therefore we outgrow the space. If we reduced our stuff, the space would probably work quite well for us. And of course, there are, you know, instances where that's not the case. I actually consider myself to be one of those because eventually, somewhere down the road, I currently live in a two-bedroom um, split-level flat. And at some point, much further down the road, I will want to give my children the opportunity to have separate bedrooms. And that is because I want them to be able to uh, honour themselves and honour the space that they have and have that important space to themselves if they need it. And I am also in this situation, I was going to say unique, but I guess it's probably not unique at all, in that I think, um, and I'm projecting here, 
I think that my daughter is extroverted and um, so I'm an introvert raising an extrovert it's it's an interesting situation and so you know even though she doesn't know what FOMO is like I, I guess sometimes I see in her a little bit of FOMO you know so it's just about balancing everybody's expectations as far as my son goes he's only he's not even 18 months yet I haven't really uh been able to see that side of his personality that hasn't shown through yet um, whether he's going to be more extroverted or more introverted my husband is more introverted he definitely recharges by himself as well uh, a little more extroverted than me however and so yeah it's just about working with the the different personalities in our family as well but yeah, like I was saying, I'll eventually want to be able to offer the children their own spaces and that's not possible in the home that we have. But that's something for much further down the line and currently I'm working at fitting inside the space we have. So yeah, like I said, most of us have too much stuff and I definitely include myself in that. I'm constantly working to minimise but it is always a work in progress. But with that being said, and at the time of recording, things are looking shaky financially here in the UK and I think around the world as well. Um, but I never have I ever wanted to stay put in my space more. I am just embracing the security that we have within our home. That we're not overstretched, that there are always ways that we can work on our space. And I do that a lot after recording this podcast. I am going along with my husband to put up two blinds in our living room and a kitchen and I'm excited like that sort of thing really really excites me like I don't feel any FOMO that it's it's a Saturday while I'm recording this I don't feel any FOMO that I'm missing out on the weekend that I'm missing out on doing things outside my home I have immense joy that I'm at home and I'm missing out on whatever the world is up to today immense joy about that and I can just I'm very busy during the week um you know with the children I stay home with them full time and we do a lot particularly towards the end of the week we have my daughter goes to a nursery setting just three hours a week and that's new for us because we are home educating her it's a slightly different path than I expected but that does kind of um, feedback into what I was talking about her being extroverted now I categorically don't believe that you have to go to school to socialize I do not believe true socialization happens at school I don't believe that socialization is a byproduct of school and I think there are many 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 different ways that you can socialize when you're a home educated child and obviously as her parent and her ed home educator I guess and but her, the facilitator to her education I it I know that it's up to me to provide those opportunities where she can socialize and meet people of all different ages backgrounds everything and being introverted makes me sweat a little bit right I have the joy of missing out I have to make that active choice to engage in some socialization and it's not just socialization for her at this stage is it it's it's me I have to be there socializing but I'm, I'm doing much better at that I'm um I feel more comfortable I actually feel more comfortable with her socializing if I was just like stepping into a group 
on my own. I don't know that I would feel as comfortable as I do when I'm with her. I guess she's my safety net. She's my my extroverted little chum and she will she helps me, she helps me grow all the time. Um but going back to nursery, we weren't going to put her in nursery and then I you know I started to see how extroverted she was and that maybe where I, what I was currently providing her she's three and a half by the way so we are not at compulsory school age or anything but it's very much been on my mind about how you know scientifically children around the age of three start to need more in terms of their socialization so and that doesn't like I said, doesn't necessarily mean a school environment, but that's the age where it's considered that they need more outside sources of socialisation prior to that age. Um, and I'll find sources and put them in the show notes. But prior to that age, children actually get everything that they need from their family unit. And there is no detriment if they don't have outside socialisation at that point. And so She'd be her being three and a half, she has a sibling obviously, and you know, he's growing all the time, <laughs> as we all are. And I was just noticing how much she thrived outside of our family unit in these situations. And we do forest school with her. That's something that we've stepped into recently, and she gets so much from that. And I was looking at a way that I could, while I build more of a home education network, that I find ways to, you know, that I can I can help her with things that she really thrives in. And so nursery was a great option for us. We live very close to a really great nursery. It's a predominantly outdoor provision and the, it's very much aligns with our values of um, early childhood and yeah we're just really happy and she's really happy we have not she she gets really excited about going it's a three hours a week is what we have she is she can have funded hours obviously at her age so there's not that financial contribution for us which was you know something that's always you know we have to think about forest school is a financial contribution to her education and so the fact that we found a nursery that we have funded ours that she uh, that aligns with our values and that she thrives at is is really great and we it's just uh, an extra part of our education so um just slightly going off topic here for a minute but i've always been very like i was very firm in my idea that i wouldn't send her into a nursery setting and actually that brought up a lot of questions when I shared that on social media for people. Evidently, when I decided that my mind had changed a little bit, um, getting to know my daughter more as she grows and what she needs and what I think is best for her, when I changed my mind, or we changed our mind, it's obviously a joint decision in her parenting team here, when I shared on my Instagram, it did open a few questions just out of curiosity sometimes it's really hard though isn't it when you get like a just I invite questions like in curiosity I don't invite questions of judgment that's there's a fine line and so I'm always happy to answer curiosity questions but rarely am I 
that forthcoming when I feel judged is difficult, isn't it? Because when you walk a different path, one that's slower, more intentional and more mindful, I'm still only human and, and judgment still gets to me. Um, but yeah, it did open up some questions from people, you know, uh, oh, I thought you were home educating. And it doesn't have to be this very straight line of you either strictly home educate or you strictly use a school school type system. And um, like I said, the, the setting we chose very much aligns with our values that we have in our everyday life and also what we have in our home education. We were also very open with the setting that we chose that we intend to home educate here and um, I'm not going to be applying to it for a school place for my daughter. And um, they were completely like, okay, like, like it wasn't, it, it was like we were picking different, like different kinds of ice creams. There was no judgment from my daughter's setting about the way I intend to educate her in the future, just full on support. And that was another reason why I just felt really passionate about this setting for her. I think it's important to remember that we change and our ideas evolve and you know, it's not so much like, oh, you've changed your mind. Why? You said you would never do that. And yeah, I did say I would never do that. But actually, you're right. You know, I have changed my mind and it's completely okay because my parenting is always evolving. My thoughts are always evolving. Who I am as a person is always evolving. And most importantly, the thing that I have always said when it comes to our daughter's home education is that I want to follow her lead. If she comes to me and says, I want to go to school, and that's a possibility, right? If she comes to me and says, I want to go to school, then, you know, I'm going to facilitate that for her. I'm going to explain to her the differences between being educated at home or being educated in school. And if she is determined that she wants to try school, then I'm not going to hold her back from that. And I think that's a part of, a part of our life that I really, really hold on to tightly. Because I, I know when the judgment comes that there are people who wouldn't offer that in reverse. You know, if someone, a kid was in school and they really wanted to be home educated, not every parent would facilitate that for them. And so it's important to me that I absolutely am open and open to change and open to following what she needs. So like I said, uh, a lot of that was about facilitating her and what she needs and you know maybe just disregarding some of these firm ideas that I had for myself and there's judgment on all sides like you know home educators can be super judgmental as well most of them are absolutely lovely and you know follow this blurry line down the middle where you know children do go to a nursery setting or a preschool setting and, you know, there are some people who are like, well, you know, that's not true home education then really, is it? And then, you know, on the other side, there's people like, oh, I thought you'd never do this. I thought you was a home educator. It's, but most people are in this blurry area where, you know, they understand that, you know, you can actually do everything and it can just facilitate what you do within your home and, and what your intentions are long term. I feel like I'm going way off topic, but um, it feels like it's an important differentiation to include here. Wheedling this back around to 
FOMO and JOMO. The joy of missing out, the joy of missing out on some of these like real structured parts of life and of society as well. It's not just about the socialization aspect. It's about, you know, the joy of missing out can be these things that are really woven into the fabric of our society. Educating school could be one of them. And, you know, it, there's an immense joy in in choosing a different path and, and missing out on these things that are sometimes feel almost predestined to us. I'm really grateful to miss out. I'm really grateful to be able to step away from things. It, like I said, it's a privilege. It really is. And this pressure is really inherent in our society. And instead of us always looking at ways to make things work, the easier option is to do the next big thing, buy the next shiny bigger thing. And bigger isn't always better. And over the coming episodes, I am going to delve more into small home living as well, why it might be the answer you've been looking for. But I'm also going to delve into more about home education and our thoughts around that, because I think I've got a lot to say on that. And uh, my way isn't established and it's not the only thing you can do both in 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 actually in all areas of my life whether it be small living simple living slow living home educating I'm just working things out and I get a lot of joy from just being in the present and figuring out what feels right and what feels authentic but I am grateful to miss out on a lot of things Now, going back a bit, um, when it comes to stuff, most of us have a lot of it. And we have a lot because that's what capitalism and a consumer culture requires of us. It, it wants us to have. It wants us to be like that. It wants us to work so we can spend our money, so we need to work for more money. And you just get trapped in this vicious cycle. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all stop working. Um, but instead, what if we work to think about the ways in which we spend our money. But like I said, the joy of missing out doesn't just have to be the joy of missing out on a social event and staying home and being cosy and like, okay, it's getting colder now, I'm not going anywhere. It can be missing out in all areas and it feeds so nicely into slow living. So like I said, you know, we don't have to, to stop working. I'm not suggesting that. I know I'm a homemaker and I don't go out to a paid employment or do paid employment. But we can think about the ways in which we spend our money. Fast fashion is a common area where a lot of our money is spent. And I think fast fashion is an absolute scourge of modern society. A throwaway clothes culture where we splurge on our money for that dopamine hit, which wears off incredibly quickly. And then we're lumbered with more stuff. Then we don't fit in our spaces. Then we need to move house. It's a vicious cycle. But aside from that, fast fashion is toxic, physically toxic, like chemically toxic. But what I was actually referring to was the condition the workers are forced to work in, how little they're paid, how little accountability is for their welfare. But these companies, they know they've got us hooked and they know how our minds work. And they are very clever at capitalising on that and able to profit off the misfortune of their workers. And, you know, I... Fast fashion, as gross as it is, 
you know, for many, it's the only affordable option. And it's incredibly privileged, again, to be able to say, stop buying fast fashion. But it's about being mindful um, about how we use fast fashion. If you have the ability and the privilege to not use fast fashion, then that is obviously a great option. Many people don't. And at a time when prices are rising, like exponentially, you know, this affordability is going to become more commonplace. And if you need to use fast fashion to be able to clothe you or your child for essential things, then, you know, you've got to go ahead and do that. You know, the, the liability, it doesn't lie on you. It lies in these big companies and we can, whether we have to purchase from them or not, we can actually push them to do better and pay their workers a fair wage. And slow fashion is the, you know, the opposite of fast fashion is often touted as buying these key pieces that will last longer, be more versatile, and, you know, most importantly, have this accountability through their production chain. But, you know, it doesn't just have to be that. And, you know, it does, a lot of slow fashion does come with a price tag because that's the cost it costs to make these changes. Um, but we're so used to this fast fashion, cheap clothing industry that it's just, it feels unaffordable to many. And it is unaffordable to many. But slow fashion can also be so much more than that. And it doesn't even have to be purchasing at all. In fact, I bet if you went to your wardrobe right now, you have plenty of clothes and you don't really need any more. And that's something I've really been working on because I've obviously indulged in fast fashion in the past. And I'm, I'm not... Uh, totally at the place where I don't engage in fast fashion a lot of the children's stuff is um, second hand sometimes I need to buy them things and they need to be affordable I you know I have a budget to manage like anybody else and with only one of us working and you know uh, us setting our life up like that we have to you know still make sure that we can manage and we don't overstretch our means um and so secondhand is great for the kids but and for myself as well i'm getting into doing that more but sometimes i need something and i need it to be affordable and you know so sometimes fast fashion is it i do my best and that's all any of us can ever do So slow fashion can also be like wearing your clothes until the end of their life. It can be about make, do and mend, replace things only when they're needed, buying secondhand, donating your unwanted clothes to those who need it, to charity shops. You can use things like eBay or Vinted to get yourself some little extra cash. For me, purchasing clothes is something that I now only do if it's absolutely necessary. And that includes even when I'm purchasing secondhand, because everything has a footprint, even when it's secondhand. So it, at the core of it, it's not purchasing unnecessarily. And like I said, a lot of the kids stuff is secondhand I get from friends. And I'm really grateful for that because it means we don't have to go out and purchase items for them. And some of these clothes, they're going through their fourth or fifth child and they're still in great condition. They're perfectly fine. I'm also working on mending items that I could have a bit more life maybe um, and making do with what I have and trying not to give into the notion that I need something new. So 
that's so ingrained in me though and all of us and it can take a while to change that thinking and there is a huge joy in missing out and stepping away from consumer culture and reprogramming your thinking around it it's not easy though it's really not easy we've been brought up in this society and it just feels second nature and sometimes we do need to buy things of course we do but more often than not we buy things because we want to and not just because we need to and I'm not judging I honestly have you know argued with myself all the time about when I'm buying stuff and actually when I prepped this episode um, I'd argued with myself for the previous 24 hours about whether to spend money on some self-adhesive contact paper for £10 to cover my daughter's table. Did I need it? No. The table was fine as it was and it would have been fine but did I want it? Yes I did because it was black and the rest of my furniture was white. And this is an old table that we had I had dug out from the depths of the garage that we had in our rental property. And we haven't had it since we've moved here, which was six years ago. And I wanted it for my daughter's bedroom. But I wanted it for her bedroom. Um, and all the furniture in there is white. And I didn't love the black. It just didn't fit. It didn't fit with the brightness of the room. And ultimately, I bought it. I am not perfect either. But actually, on the flip side of that, Creating our home and our space is actually really important to me as well. The way things feel and flow within my home is important. So I didn't need it and I wanted it and I bought it and I'm happy with that decision. I also questioned myself over buying some draft proofing tape for our windows and doors, which is arguably much more important as we head into winter. And I bought that too. And then I bought it again so I can do every window. When I think about the joy of missing out in relation to buying things, I often think about a bread maker. Stay with me. <laughs> I promise I do have a point. Our bread maker is old. It was my husband's long before we met. Long, 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 long before we met. It is bulky. It's not modern. It has lots of marks on it now that will never go. But it works. And it actually works really, really well. Last year we accidentally threw away the small paddle, that bit that sits in the base that mixes the bread, kind of essential in a bread maker. Um, and my first thought was, oh, we'll need to just buy a new bread maker. Um, you know, yes, we can get a more modern bread maker. But after searching the internet and realising that it would be quite an expensive purchase, I just tried to reframe my thinking. We could afford to purchase a new bread maker if we really had to, but did we really need it? not really yes we're passionate about making our own bread we don't generally purchase shop-bought bread so was there another way that I could go about this maybe because the bread maker still worked perfectly and all that was missing was this one tiny piece arguably the most important piece but it was one small piece so instead I just went about finding that replacement instead and that was actually quite easy to find 10 pound later my bread maker was back in working condition my first thought was to just ditch it and get something new but instead a small quick fix and it's baking us wonderful fresh bread again but it really does take just reframing that thinking and, and trying to embrace that joy of missing out because the bread buying a new bread maker would have given me that dopamine hit wouldn't it and it would have been like yes you know something new and fancy and sparkly but but soon it just becomes the regular old bread maker and you know, the joy is in making the bread. It's not about the device that it's made in. I could use the oven, right? I just 
prefer to have the bread maker. And it's funny too, because actually reframing that thinking, buying the small paddle, that small item, spending just, you know, the £10 to replace that item instead of the £70 plus pounds it would have cost to replace the whole bread maker, felt really wonderful too. And there is still a little dopamine hit you get from repurposing or refurbishing something too. So the joy of missing out, it can apply in all areas of our lives, from the things that we think we want to have, social events we may or may not want to attend, things that we want to do, cycles and patterns in society that we don't wish to partake in anymore, so much. And I just want to tell you, it's okay to say no. It's okay to set boundaries, to step away from the systems in society that don't serve us. There is an immense joy in missing out on these things and it is completely okay to say no and forge your own path in a society that wants you to have the fear of missing out and I promise it can take some time but you will absolutely thank yourself for it. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I am beyond grateful to have you here. Community is so important. So I would love to chat with you over on Instagram because Instagram is kind of my jam. You can find me over on my account, which is at life on plot 44. And you can also find me on the dot slow living dot collective. I will link all of the links in the info, the show notes and everything so you can see exactly where you can find me and where. My podcasting friends have always told me that podcasts live and die by their reviews. So if you're able to leave a rating or a review on this one, I would appreciate that so much. And of course, if you're able to share what I do here on your social media platforms, I would be so grateful too. In this episode, I also mentioned my podcast I do with Talia. You are welcome to come over there and join us. We talk about everything. Honestly, everything. You can find us at Slow the Heck Down Pod, and you can obviously search us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And our podcast is called Slow the Heck Down. Thank you again for tuning in, and I will be back soon with another episode. <laughs>